A recording in the basement of Kramer Hall. To becoming one of the most respected brands in all of student media. You are listening to KCLU Columbia 88.1 FM, a free service of MSA GPC. And welcome, welcome, welcome on this slightly chilly Tuesday morning. To KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. We're online at KCOU.FM. My name is Kyle Jones. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Cole Tucson. Cole, how's it going for you? Yeah, you definitely bring up. It is definitely a chilly morning here in Columbia, Missouri. It's I remember you talking about when we came in saying the weather's been weird. It's been like 7 degrees and sunny, then it's been like 40 degrees and cold. So weather doesn't seem to be consistent here and Columbia don't does it. Like I'm just, I'm wearing sweats and a sweater, right? And and this morning I felt cold. I wasn't wearing a jacket. I still felt cold. Um, but I guarantee you that around about uh, eleven o'clock, if I was to go outside and walk around, the weather would be absolutely stellar. At least it was yesterday. So who knows? But anyway, we got a great show for you. Today, folks, we're going to be talking all about college football, the NFL, and uh, recapping some postseason baseball. Maybe getting into uh, some NBA stuff. The NBA is officially back, albeit there's only been about four games played for each team. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's there, though, so we can talk about it. Uh, but that's what we got planned for you, so stay tuned. This is your boy Rubik's. I got a message for all y'all out there. You find yourself with nothing to do from noon to 2 on Monday. Tune into my show, The Lounge at Lunch with Danny Bing. We got the freshest music and the hottest takes only on KCOU 88.1 FM or KCOU.FM. I don't see us. Last time I seen him was at the store with the spice side looking salty. I stepped out with some cold bro- The shocking statistics are that one in five people in Boone County lives in poverty. Even worse, approximately 250 Columbia children are homeless. The Heart of Missouri United Way fights for solutions to improve lives by supporting 33 local organizations that strengthen the health, education, basic needs, and financial stability of our community. Join the fight today and live united by making your gift at uwheartmo.org slash donate. On Saturday, October 27th, the Missouri Tigers hosted Kentucky Wildcats at 3 p.m., and you can hear it on KCOU 88.1 FM. Drew Locke and the Tigers look for their first SEC win at home against the nationally ranked Wildcats. Tiger pregame live presented by El Rancho begins at 2 p.m. Central, and kickoff is at 3. Tiger football is on KCOU, the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. And welcome back to KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. We're going to start things off here with some college football, Cole. So, uh, pretty uh, pretty crazy week, really. Um, we had a couple games that, you know, didn't look like they were going to be too exciting. 
wound up being absolutely bonkers. I mean, Stanford had only a seven-point win over Arizona State. Uh, You know, Purdue went and, you know, beat Ohio State in West Lafayette, so they got to... They got to rush the field and, you know, make a big spectacle out of it, and it was fun for them. You know, Michigan beat Sparty in Lansing, which that's always, you know, that's always a big deal. Upset City over in Wazoo as the Cougars wound up beating the Ducks. It was a very, you know, topsy-turvy week of stuff. We we have officially lost another undefeated. Cincinnati uh, got beat by Temple. So I think I think the the best course of action, Cole, is to start with uh, with this Michigan Michigan State rivalry because I know I know that one is near and dear to your heart. So uh, so let's start with that one. Uh, you know, Big Blue getting the win over Sparty. Uh, what did you take away from that game? Well, there's a lot of definitely key games. I mean, Michigan won the game against Michigan State, but I'm not I. No, you know, this game, you know, holds a lot to my heart because I come from a Michigan family before uh, a few people in my family went to USC, the Trojans uh, fight on. We can talk about that later in the lost. But with this Michigan-Michigan State rivalry, it's not Michigan-Ohio State, but I'm not sure if you were aware, but like, did you see like the altercations of like the stuff that happened before the game? I saw there was a little bit of a little, little bit of fighting uh, before before any of the action, you know that we that the fans actually paid for ever took place, um, which I mean, frankly, in a rival in a rivalry game like this, I I like that. I like the intensity. I like the idea that these teams really just don't like each other, and they're going to show that. Football's a game of emotion. If you can control that emotion, not like get out of hand, I think that's good. Uh, a little a little you know pair of shoving matches here and there. I don't think it's a big deal. You know, I think it encapsulates this rivalry. I think it elevates this rivalry because right now I don't think this rivalry is as big as it should be. I think the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry takes precedent over this one, and it shouldn't because this is a huge in-state rivalry game between two teams that are incredibly good, consistently incredibly good. Um, and so to to see this, you know, they're fighting more. They're really seeing themselves as true rivals. Michigan State, you know, got the jump on on the Wolverines a couple years ago. You know, it's it's good to see this this you know this rivalry is becoming more of a rivalry game. You know, it's it's good to see that, at least in my eyes. I think it's good to see because I mean, you bring up a Gary point of out. This rivalry kind of goes under the radar considering, you know, Michigan-Ohio State is the rivalry for Michigan, but it's also one of the best rivalries in probably all of college football because, like, you can't beat a Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. Rivals, no pun intended, like, you know, UT-Oklahoma for the... You also have... Yeah, for the Red River rivalry. uh, Alabama-Auburn. Alabama. Well, I mean, that's in-state. You know, I, I I think, you know... I love those in-state rivalries more than I like those out-of-state ones because I feel it gives, unless it's unless it's Missouri KU, where like or Missouri Arkansas, where you know, like KU does have K State, but really you know in terms of in-state competition, Arkansas and Mizzou have none of it, right? 
you know, those Arkansas and Mizzou, and Mizzou are the only actual like you know Division One programs that matter in either of their states, right? So then you know those those sorts of things necessitate you forming a rivalry with a school outside of your state borders. But you look at like you know in-state rivalries. You know you got Ole Miss versus Mississippi State, which is always huge. The Egg Bowl. Um, the Iron Bowl with Auburn, Alabama, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, I wish, and I think it is beginning to uh, become more of that sort of spectacle, more like the Egg Bowl, more like the Iron Bowl, where, you know, these two teams don't like each other, the games are, are close, the games are intense, and it's become it's becoming, you know, really fun to watch. But I would argue that this Michigan-Michigan State game, well, spend a few more minutes before you go on to the next game, but I would argue considering how you look at two sides of the spectrum, you had Michigan State who was going like all in on about like, the Michigan rivalry, like hating the Michigan Flares and trying to get in their head. It caused them to lose the game 21-7, to so it caused Michigan players to look more cool and collected. So do you think Michigan State being all focused in hey in Michigan in the before in the pregame, do you think that caused a deficit in the performance? Um, I'm not entirely sure about that. I think that um I think it definitely probably I think it probably spurred Michigan more than it helped the Spartans. You know? That's that's the that's the big thing is, you know, like, like you know, look, look at what Michigan was doing. Michigan started the whole thing, you know? Like, Michigan came in looking for a fight, and they were able to back it up. They were the ones tearing up the Spartan logo in the middle of the field. They were the ones, you know, poking at the, you know, Michigan State players when they were coming onto the field pregame. They were the ones that celebrated their win by jumping on top of the Spartan logo at the end of the game. Like... You know, the Wolverines were the ones who really started this, but they were also able to back it up. So I think, you know, I I, th- I don't think it was that Michigan State messed themselves up. I, I think it's more of Michigan was able to back up their talk. Fair but uh, let's let's move on to a different a different game that occurred over the weekend. Uh, let's let's shift over to um, let's shift over to. Michigan's, you know, big rival, as we were talking about, Ohio State traveling to West Lafayette and losing. Losing their first game of the year, a conference game, which makes it even more more important. Purdue came out and, you know, something that they really didn't do against Mizzou, they, they came out and won the football game. Pretty handily as well, twenty to forty nine, the final score so to put almost fifty points on Ohio State is crazy. You know, what's even crazier is I'm looking at all like the passing leaders for the entire college football week, and Dwayne Hoskins from Ohio State threw for four hundred seventy yards, which seems to be like the most or second most of any college football quarterback this week. So it's weird considering he had. One of the mess most, excuse me, one of the most passing yards in the week, and still come out with a upset loss. I, I agree. It's it's pretty crazy. I, I'll tell you this though, Purdue 
you know, they ran the plays. They got the plays done that they needed to. Um, I, you know, I was watching the highlights. They had a they had a fake field goal that you know worked, got them to a first down. David Blau was you know on the money the whole game. Twenty five of forty three for three hundred seventy eight yards, three touchdowns. Uh, to my knowledge, he did not toss a single interception. He did not. He did get sacked twice, but I think you know, don't worry about that too much. Um, but you know, he's, he's been, he's been really stellar, David Blau. We, we saw him, uh, we saw him against Mizzou, what he did to the Tigers and, you know, he, 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 he torched the Tigers secondary and was unlucky to come away with a loss. So to be able to, you know, to be able to get the win, uh, on Saturday, I'm sure it was huge for him. Purdue got lucky with the, uh, they had a couple of fumbles that, Instead of winding up in Buckeye hands, wound up you know rolling harmlessly out of bounds, so they were able to keep the ball. I mean they they got the things done that they needed to get done, um, and that's what you got to do. Rondell Moore, the freshman, uh, the freshman wide receiver, uh, is what he's listed at, but listed as, but he actually had a pretty solid day running for the Boilermakers. Two carries, twenty four yards. Um, and he, he snagged two touchdowns as well. It's very, you know... I You got to give credit to the Boilermakers for, you know, going out there and kicking butt. Yeah, definitely. But, so looking ahead, Ohio State is now second in their well, division with the Big Ten. Their one loss... Under Michigan, they are right right above Michigan State, so they're second in the division. Do you think this affects their college ball playoff chances? Oh, definitely. I don't think they make it. I don't think they. I I think they're out. Um, you think they're out entirely, even if they win the Big Ten? I don't think they're gonna win the Big Ten anymore. I think I think Michigan wins it. I think I think Michigan wins the Big Ten. Ohio State is now ranked nationally at number 11. They dropped nine after that loss to Purdue. Uh, Michigan is ranked fifth, and I think that's a fair placement for Michigan considering they're a one-loss team. They are the uh, the second-highest-ranked one-loss team in, uh, in in the rankings right now, which I think is a, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I think LSU is probably a better team than Michigan. Um, and they're also a one-loss team. Um, I mean, the only other team that I could see pipping them for that spot would be either UT or maybe maybe Florida. You know? So you don't think, even if Ohio State wins out, they are not going to make the college ball playoff? Even if they win out, because I think Michigan wins out as well. Well, I mean, they have to play each other. So I think, I think, I think in the, at the end of the season, Ohio State winds up being a two-loss team. I think Michigan beats them. That'll um, be interesting for the rivalry. So, what do you think? Who are the four teams you think are going to be in the college football playoff? Four teams I think are going to be in the college football playoff. I think it'll be Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and honestly, I think in the end, Michigan will pip LSU for that fourth spot. Very interesting. I'm going to say Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and LSU. And LSU, all right. Two SEC schools in there like last year. I mean, fair enough. 
Speaking of the SEC, a few big games happened in the SEC this week. Yeah, we had some we had some real some real barn burners coming out of uh, coming out of the southeastern conference, if I do say so myself. Uh, you get to choose, Cole. Which one do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about Mississippi State going into Baton Rouge, number five LSU. Well, that spanked, and I'm not surprised. Mississippi State only had three points. That came in the first quarter. Um, LSU just, you know, rolling. It's Death Valley. You know, we shouldn't have expected anything less. I think the only team that has that, you know, really has any chance of beating LSU in Death Valley would be Alabama. Um, you know, the, those Tigers are just unstoppable, really. Um, you know, until the only like the only thing that really stops LSU is a you know a bigger force, and there's not too many bigger forces this season, especially in the SEC. The only one I can think of is Alabama. So I'm I'm not surprised at all. Um, you know, props to Mississippi for holding LSU to less than twenty. That's that's a positive, especially for the uh, especially for the Bulldog defense. That's a positive you can take from this game. Um, I don't think they. I I think coming into this game, we never thought that that Mississippi State would win, um, and they proved us right. Uh, but you got to give them props for for at least keeping it. You know. Had the offense actually, you know, done their job and scored a couple touchdowns, uh, this would have been closer. The defense kept the the defense kept the Bulldogs in this game. The offense was just not able to get it done. You know, usually if you if you hold a if you hold a team under twenty points, you know, you can usually give yourself a fair shot of winning the football game. Uh, it's just a shame, at least if you're a Bulldog fan, that uh, that was not the case. Uh, something I want to talk about though. Vanderbilt going to Kentucky and uh, only losing fourteen to seven, crazy game. Um, and of course Kentucky traveling, uh, traveling here to Columbia over the weekend. They'll play the Tigers at Faro on Saturday. So I guess my question becomes, Cole, with Kentucky really not getting the job done against a Commodore team that's three and five and you know, 0-4 in conference play. Does this raise your confidence about what Missouri might be able to do on Saturday? It honestly does raise my confidence a little bit because you look at this Kentucky game and, like, especially when this game was played in Kentucky, you would think Kentucky will blow them out by 30 or something, but that didn't happen. Not only did Kentucky take the lead with eight minutes to go, in the red zone with a run touchdown from Bunny Snell. But Vanderbilt, with eight minutes to go, almost could have tied up, potentially put it into overtime, and potentially almost won this game. So you look at a potential win for Vanderbilt in Kentucky, which no one expected that would have been a huge upset. That wouldn't have been a bit as big as Ohio State-Purdue, but it would have been up there as one of the biggest upset of college football this week. So... When you're talking about this Vanderbilt-Kentucky game, Kentucky, frankly, had multiple chances to lose to Vanderbilt in their home. Now they're coming to Mizzou. Mizzou is riding the hot train after that blowout, that absolute demolition against Memphis, who almost beat UCF. I'm going to say it does raise my confidence. And I, I think, you know, you talk about you talk about Mizzou absolutely, you know, demolishing uh, Memphis, which that was, you know, talk about, you know, blowouts that, you know, 
are, are just, I don't know about fun to watch is the word. I mean, it was, it was nice to see that it was nice to see Mizzou really get their momentum back and beat up on a team. Um, but you know, you know, above every, above any, above all, right? I think it's important to that you know this blowout came at the right time, and you know it'll be good for the confidence of the Tigers. Um, I want to look just for a moment at uh, you know the, the Tigers had two interceptions. Uh, Missouri did uh, over the weekend. Christian Holmes and Adam Sparks both got picks. Holmes took his back 42 yards for a touchdown. Secondary play from this Tiger defense is not something that we have seen often. Um, you know, successful secondary play from this Tiger defense is not something we've seen. This is true. Often. Secondary has always been weak and you could chalk it up to you're going into Alabama, but that secondary against Alabama was exposed as much as well as you can get for Alabama. But it was definitely weird seeing the secondary actually get interception and get a pick sits against the team because as a Mizzou Tiger fan, you have not seen that often. I mean, we haven't really seen that at all this season. Um, Drew Locke, of course, going 23 for 29. That's one of his best performances all season, really. 350 yards, averaging 12.1 a throw with four touchdowns. I mean, he had himself a game. This is the Drew Locke that we, I guess, almost expected. The Drew Locke who, you know, we, we've we been waiting for for the past about three weeks. Um, and he finally showed up. Um, so it's, you know, it's, I think this, so there's, there's five... Five SEC matchups going on uh, this weekend. We have Van, Vandy Vandy going to Arkansas. We have Florida playing Georgia in Jacksonville. It's a neutral site, but clearly more you know in favor of Florida in that. Uh, Kentucky traveling to Faro. Texas A&M going to Mississippi, and then Tennessee going to uh, Columbia, South Carolina to play the Gamecocks. So my question to you is, what is the the game there that has the most potential for an upset? I was pulling up the schedule right now for the SEC. Yeah, you passed it. It's, it's passed. There you. There it is. So, so you know, let me read let, let me read them to you again. Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, or Tennessee, South Carolina. That's 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 all going down week nine. You're on week ten, bud. Let's see, A&M. I think A&M has potential. I mean, A&M has been. Well, it's not. I mean, it's not an upset. Uh, A&M's A&M's ranked 16, and Mississippi State is is unranked. So, like, which one of those has the best upset potential? Looking at this, honestly, Florida Georgia has caught my eye. 
Florida, honestly. You, you, you think that you think the Gators are gonna are gonna beat the Bulldogs? I think so. I think Florida is a program that people questioned in the beginning of the year if they're going to be good or not. If the Swampers did or not, this is not in the swamp, but. Like, Florida was a team that people all thought was bad or anything, you know, considering how they ended the year last year. Then you have Georgia, a team that was once second-best team in the nation and, you know, up for, you know, college football playoff bound and everything. Georgia hasn't looked good this year. Frankly, I think they're overrated. That's just my—that's my personal opinion. So you have a Florida team who is trying to rise and exceed expectations, and you have Georgia team who is failing expectations— yeah, and I think this is gonna be a Florida win. I, I actually I agree with you. I think the Gators have a real a real solid chance of beating Florida. It's in Jacksonville that definitely favors the Gators. Um, you know, G- Georgia's just so overrated. I hate I hate it when people are you know when people give all this praise to Georgia because really if you look at it, Mizzou should have beaten them in Faroe. If you look at what happened, the calls that didn't go the Tigers' way and everything, that was Missouri's game, and it was a blow to crud that they lost. Georgia is coming off of a 20-point loss to LSU. Their only real win, their only wins really come against, you know, besides Mizzou, who they should have lost to. They put they put up you know forty one against Vandy thirty eight to twelve against Tennessee, they beat Middle Tennessee they beat South Carolina who at the time was ranked twenty four but we all know how that wound up South Carolina is not that good, um, and then they kicked the crud out of Austin P, but really like those wins are not the highest quality, especially the one against Mizzou where where you you know you didn't even deserve to win that. This is their first game since L- this is their first game, you know, Florida is you know, it's winnable. But honestly, if you're going to lose to LSU and then you know, think that you have a chance against Florida, especially in Jacksonville, which is basically, you know, it's basically the swamp. Or you know, this is basically being played in the swamp. Florida is going to win this football game. If I do say so myself, and then so so we talk about that as a big ups, a big upset. I think that Missouri is going to knock off Kentucky on Saturday. If you remember last year, Mizzou went into Kroger Field in Kentucky and almost pulled off that first win of the SEC. This time, they're getting another chance in Farrell This time. If I remember correctly, that the only reason the Tigers lost that football game is because Tucker McCann couldn't hit a field goal. That and probably Damari Crockett fumbling a fumbling the ball in the clutch. That was a another key moment that took the loss of the Tigers in Kentucky. Well, alrighty, but uh. So anyway, so I think I think that uh, the Tigers have a pretty solid chance. A&M's going to beat Mississippi State. I can almost guarantee you that. And then I think South Carolina beats Tennessee. And I think, I bet you Vanderbilt beats Arkansas in Fayetteville. Arkansas is not good. But we'll have to, we'll have to watch this weekend, see how things pan out. Of course, uh, as always, the, the Missouri Tiger football game will be live here on KCOU 88.1 FM 
Kickoff is at 3 p.m. on Saturday, which means that a uh, Tiger pregame live presented by El Rancho will uh, will be coming to you at 2 p.m. here on the uh, here on the main radio station here on 88.1 FM. So make sure you tune in to that. We're gonna take a short break. When we come back, we'll be talking about the NFL. So stay tuned. Hey man. Hey dude. What what are you doing on October 31st from 6 to 9 p.m.? Uh now, now that you mention it, my, my schedule is clear during that exact time. Oh boy, then come on down to the KCOU birthday Halloween p- pizza bash, pizza tree ha- Halloween extravaganza celebration. Happy birthday pizza fun event party. What? That's right, baby. KCOU is going to be at the Pizza Tree from 6 to 9 p.m. on Halloween. You can munch on some fantastic slices while hearing sweet jams from Cousin Trent and DJ Scales, all while supporting Mizzou's only student-run radio station. Neat. That's really neat. (laughs) Cool. Want to enjoy some of the best music and best pizza Columbia has to offer while also contributing to a great cause? On Halloween night from 6 to 9 p.m., Peachtree will be donating $1 for every slice sold to KCOU 88.1 FM, the student radio station at Mizzou. With music provided by Cousin Trent and DJ Scales, Peachtree is the place to be from 6 to 9 p.m. on Halloween night. Thank you, Pizza Street, for supporting KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. Want to support KCOU while having the best breakfast in Columbia? Now you can. All day on Monday, November 12th, B&B Bagel will be donating a portion of their profits to KCOU. Start your week off right with a great breakfast from B&B Bagel and support a great cause as well. Monday, November 12th at B&B Bagel. We'll see you there. And welcome back to KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. Let's uh let's get into some NFL action here on the show. Cole, a couple of a couple of big games from uh, from this week. Uh, we're gonna highlight uh, some of the more important ones. The Bears almost did it. I'm really I I feel bad for you and I feel bad for the rest of all my Chicago friends. Mitch Trubisky was literally a half yard away from having a Hail Mary that tied that football game. It's a crying shame that it didn't come out better for him. This is true, and the Bears played the Patriots without Gronkowski. I know that because I have Gronk on fantasy, and he got no points for me. But the Bears played the Patriots in Soldier Field, and... This is another time in the Bears season where they almost were able to pull it out, pull out the W, and they just fall short. It's been that kind of year for Chicago. They've they've been so close every game. It's so close. And then they just fall on their bums. I mean, I... I think this one this one has to fall this has to fall on the defense now for sure, right? Because Mitch Trubisky had a pretty decent game. I mean, you put up 31 points in an NFL game, you're usually, you know, you're you're usually want to win the game. I mean, look at him. 26 for 50, that's 50% completion rate, really. 333 yards for two touchdowns. He did toss two interceptions. I think that is the one thing that you can really put against him. 
but he also led the team in rushing. I mean, six carries for 81 yards and a touchdown. He averaged 13 and a half every time he decided to take the ball himself and run. I mean, he had a really solid game. I mean, you, you can't fault. I, I feel like so many people fault Mitch Trubisky because he's young and he hasn't been making the best of reads and everything. But I, I feel like you can't fault Mitch Trubisky for this game because this was on the Bears' defense. I think that's a fair argument because this is one of the most, or maybe the most, points a team has put up against this Bears defense who has looked so good so far this NFL season. Anyway, Broncos getting the win 45-10 to over the Cardinals on Thursday. Uh, in London, the uh, the Chargers and Titans, right? I believe that was a London game. Um, and that that game went down to the absolute wire. Chargers wound up winning twenty to nineteen, but my word, like, did the did the Titans really, you know, give them a run for their money, especially in the in the you know fourth quarter, right at the end there. I thought that I thought the Titans were gonna win it. And I'm really surprised that they didn't. Um, I believe uh, the one thing that doomed the uh, that doomed the Titans was a missed uh, missed two point conversion. Um, it's just it's, it was very crazy to see that you know that happening. I I I I predicted the Chargers to win this game, but I didn't think it would happen. In that fashion, and the Browns, you know, just when you think the Browns have a chance to win the win another football game, Chandler Catanzaro hits a 59-yard field goal in overtime to win it for the Buccaneers. A sad day for Cleveland. I, I, I'm, I'm loving these Browns winning. I just wish they'd do it more often. But uh, the thing that I want to talk about, the game that really stuck out to me and really surprised me. Texans beating the Jags 20 to 7 in Jacksonville mind you. Uh, yeah, yeah, in Jacksonville as well. That's that that's the huge part. The Texans in in recent years especially have struggled with the Jaguars. They've all they've always struggled with the Jags, frankly. But 20 to 7 against this Jaguars team that going into this season you had, you know, you had a bunch of their players being like, oh, yeah, we're going to go undefeated. This team is unstoppable. We're going to be the best, right? Like, I'm pretty sure, was it was it Jalen Ramsey who, who said, we're going to go 16-0? and It sounds like Jalen Ramsey, honestly. I believe that was him who said that. Um, well, Jalen, you have a losing record right now. Um, that's not called going undefeated. That's called sucking. And that's what they're doing right now. They suck. And it's it's nice to see. I really enjoy it. Uh, because the Texans are benefiting at their expense. 20-7. to 7, Deshaun Watson's still not actually playing very well. 12 for 24 for 139 yards and one touchdown. This is a this is not a very offensive team. This this team is so not offensive minded, it's beautiful. They get the field goals. Um, they get maybe two touchdowns a game. The thing that 
this team does get, though, I'll tell you what, defensive stops. They force the fumbles. They force the defensive touchdowns. They get the stops when they need them. The Texans' defense, you know, the past couple years, especially with, you know, J.J. Watt going down and everything, Texan defense has not always, you know, been there, frankly. Um, they, you know, this 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 team has not had that good of a defensive, you know, front. But they've got their guys back. J.J. Watt's back. Devian Clowney's back. You know, Whitney Merciless is doing his, you know, merciless things. This team, this defense has returned, and I'm very, very excited. And you look at this game, and not only were the Texans up 20-0 with like two minutes to go in the third quarter, so like it was a complete domination throughout, but the only touchdown that the Jaguars scored, some would argue, was an illegal forward pass. It did seem that way. So completely... Texans just completely outplayed them offensively and defensively. Every play in the book. It just, it, everything everything went right for Houston, and it's been going right so far all season, which is why, and I think after after seven games, I think it is the appropriate time to uh, to look at the, uh, at the standings. I think this is a very appropriate time to start seeing how the postseason is shaping up up um you've got the Texans at the tippy tip top of the AFC South all alone the only team in the AFC South with a winning record now I ask you a question a few weeks ago a few this is a repeated topic on the show do you think the Texans should look for a new head coach now that uh, they're first in the division you know, it's a diff- there's a difference between being first in your division and being Super Bowl contenders. Um, I honestly don't think, like, yes, I think there's a there's a coaching change to be made. Bill O'Brien is not, you know, the coach of the future in terms of winning you a Super Bowl ring. Who that guy is, I honestly don't know. Um, there's not too many coaches out there right now who I could definitively say, you know, besides Belichick, who will never leave New England. You know, the, you know, the hell will freeze over before he leaves New England. But, uh, but uh, you know, there's no, there's no real true replacement for 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 Bill O'Brien. So I, I really can't say now is the time to change. What I will say is that it might be time to consider changing GMs. This team's drafting has been terrible for the entire existence of the franchise, really. Um, the offensive line, since my birth, has been absolutely abysmal. Um, you wonder why this isn't a passing team. You wonder why this team doesn't put up numbers on the board. It's because Deshaun Watson has no time to pass. And no matter how mobile you are, in the in the NFL, like it does not matter that Deshaun Watson is a mobile quarterback. He still is going to get popped. He's still not going to be able to get good downfield throwing if he doesn't have an offensive line in front of him. And since the creation of this franchise... The Houston Texans have never had an offensive line that actually is, you know, good. Speaking of the Texans, they're playing on Thursday Night Football in Houston against the Dolphins. That should be an easy win. It's in Houston. Texans, you know, the Texans don't usually lose 
in NRG to inferior opposition. I say inferior opposition. They're actually very equal teams. Miami four and three on the season. Texans four and three on the seasons on this season. Um Miami has 150 51 points for 177 points against. So that's a net of negative 26. It's kind of crazy that they have a they have a a, a you know a winning record with a negative points differential. But you look at the Texans, they have 155 points for 144 points against. So that's 11 net points. I mean it's basic. You know it's very similar. Uh, Texans two and one at home. Miami three and one at home. Texans are two and two on the road. Miami's one and two on the road. I mean, there's not much to separate these two teams. Um, so I'm going to be very interested in seeing how this one works out. Dolphins, you know, in most sides, like offensively, they're not very good. They're the 27th ranked offense in the league. Texans have the 16th ranked. Texans are ninth ranked defense, so that's going to be really impressive. You have the ninth ranked def- defense going up against the twenty seventh ranked offense, so really, I can't see any other any other outcome except it, and except for a Texans win. But you know, what? watch watch Miami prove me wrong. You never know. Um, couple of other big games going on. Um, Browns Steelers is is once again occurring. If you remember, uh, that was that was the uh, one of the I believe it's the first game of the season for both of those teams, uh, and they tied twenty one twenty one. This game being uh, being played in Pittsburgh, so we'll have to see if we can actually get a definitive winner for this football game. Also, Chicago is playing in Soldier Field once again against the Jets 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 Jets. That's and that's not going to be a problem. The last three times the Bears have played, like 2006, November 19th, the Bears won 10-0. 2010, the Bears won 38-34. 2014, Bears won 27-19. This Bears defense has improved more than 2014, so I think the Bears almost beat the Patriots in Soldier Field. Plus, it's raining, so the Bears are used to rain. Honestly, from, from Chicago, you're used to the rain. I think the Bears win this game after... Coming so close once again, almost losing, almost beating the Patriots. Yeah, I, I think I think the Bears will be fine. The game that I want to focus on for this upcoming weekend of NFL games, Packers going to Los Angeles to play the Rams. The Rams have been on fire. There is no other way to put it. Rams, if you if you if you want to win at fantasy football. Find a Ram who starts and put him on your team because the Los Angeles Rams, I will say it right now, I'll come right out and say, I think I said it last week as well, the Los Angeles Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. They are so dominant. And so Green Bay coming in, I, I think the Ram, I don't think the Rams are going to go undefeated. I think you know they'll probably lose one or two games in the regular season. This might be the first one they lose. I honestly think that's I think the pay, I think the Packers are going to win this game. Honestly, I, I, think, I think it's the, going to be close. The pack, if you remember, I don't know if you remember, but the last three times this team has met, the Packers have won. 
pretty pretty heavy handedly. Twenty four to ten, twenty four to ten, twenty one to seven. That was, you know, twenty seventeen, twenty fifteen, twenty fourteen, respectively. So, you know, you know, Packers consistently putting up at least twenty one points on the Rams and holding the Rams to nearly nothing. Um Packers do have the eighth ranked defense in the country, but they are going up against the second ranked offense. The Rams offense is stellar. I I want to say the Rams are going to win this football game, honestly, because they're so they've been so good offensively, you know, number 1 rushing team in the country. Um their defense is still very solid, number 7 number 7 ranked team in the country. I mean, you know, defensively. So I I mean, this is this is such a this is going to be a marquee matchup, and you know, you know, shame on the NFL. I mean, I know they can't really, you know, when they're when they're scheduling these things time wise, you know, in the, you know, when when they're scheduling, they don't have too much of a, you know, of a of a plan for how these teams are gonna pan out. But shame on the NFL for not, you know, foreseeing, you know, what the Rams were doing in the off season. You know, we saw that they were making big moves. We knew they were gonna be a powerful team. Shame on the NFL for not scheduling this as either Sunday night football or Monday night football because this is a game that deserves to be on primetime. But uh, one more game that we'll talk about before we take one more, one last break. Um, the, uh, the Broncos and Chiefs are playing. That's always a good game every time they play. It's always a great game every time. Patrick Mahomes has been stellar. Um, you know, the last time they played, he, he led that game-winning drive back on October 1st. You know, this is the same month. We're still in October. That that memory is still fresh in the minds of Chiefs fans and, you know, I'm sure Broncos, ni- Broncos nightmares alike. Um, do you think, you know, now that they're playing at Arrowhead... I mean, the Chiefs is the Chiefs have won the last three times these teams have played. They've been close games, but the Chiefs have pulled it out. So, do you think that the the trend the trend continues, and the Kansas City Chiefs win this football game? I think the Chiefs are going to keep it close, but personally, I think Denver is going to win this game in Arrowhead. You do have the the worst defense in the league in Kansas City going up against the 14th ranked offense. In Denver, but I, I just, I can't see, I can't see, after what Patrick Mahomes did last time against Denver, I can't see the Chiefs not winning this football game. The only reason why I'm sticking to that is because of what Von Miller and what that defense did last week on Thursday Night Football. So, that defense was so good, and I know that because I started them fancy, and they got me 28 fantasy points, they looked so good. So I think the Denver Broncos defense is gonna keep up against this Chiefs offense. It is, you know, they do have a strong a strong defense there, especially with Von Miller, the uh, the Texas A&M alum, uh, and they do have those extra two days of rest. You know, you talk about them playing on Thursday night, uh, you know, a thir- playing on Thursday and then getting the Sunday game the next the next week is always nice for a team because they get those extra two days of rest and practice and you know looking at film and things like that. So, you know, I mean, it makes sense to think that the Broncos could win this, but I just, the way that Patrick Mahomes is playing, the way that offense is going, the third-ranked offense in the league, 
I can't see any other outcome except the Chiefs winning this football game. But we're going to take one more short break. When we come back, we'll start talking about, you know, baseball and basketball. So stay tuned here on KNC Sports. You're listening to KNC Sports Live on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. Stay tuned. Whether it be t-shirts for your charity event or jerseys for your intramural team, one-to-one print shop can handle your custom apparel needs. If you need inspiration crafting a design, you can follow them on Facebook and Instagram at one-to-one print shop to check out some of their latest work. You can also visit their website at one-to-oneprintshop.com. That's O-N-E-T-O-O-N-E printshop.com. Hello, we're Los Lobos for Red. It's okay to rock and roll and party. Just let someone else do the driving. Remember, designate. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Missouri has long been known as the show me state. So the next time you head to the ballot box, you'll be asked to show a photo ID. Show a Missouri driver's license or non-driver's license, or show a passport. You can even show a bank statement, student ID, utility bill, or voter registration card, and sign a statement confirming your identity. Don't have a photo ID? Obtain one for free. Visit showittovote.com for more information. Remember, if you're registered to vote, you can vote. Sponsored by the Missouri Secretary of State's office. And welcome back to KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. We're going to start things off talking about the, the MLB postseason, the World Series, of course, starting up tonight at 7 o'clock if you're living in the central time zone, 8 o'clock if you're on the east coast. Um, and it's it's Boston, L.A., um, which is honestly, it couldn't have been more generic, and I hate it, and this is bad for baseball. I'm just kidding. Actually, yes, I'm Could not have been kidding. more generic. Really? It, it, the only way it could have been more generic is if it was Yankees instead of Boston. I hate this World Series. And it's not it's not because I'm bitter about the Astros losing. Honestly, I I I foresaw the Astros losing. I kind of I you know, I had a belief as an Astros fan that we could win, but deep down I knew this was not going to be our series. The, the Red Sox were the best team in baseball and the regular season. They deserve to be in the World Series. They are in the World Series. It's LA I'm mad about. Because LA went last year, they got beat in seven. It was a good series. I don't think this series is going to be as good. I would have much rather had the Brewers go. Brewers haven't been in a long time. Uh, you know, they, they worked really hard. No one really expected them to get this far. They, they really came out of nowhere, honestly. I mean, I think a lot of people thought that this was going to wind up being Cubs-Dodgers in the NLCS, and then either the Cubs or the Dodgers would, you know, I, I, I wanted the Cubs to go in that situation. Obviously, the Cubs lost in the wild card, so we, we were not getting that situation. But, you know, this this sucks, honestly. This really sucks. Because both of these teams are such, you know, you have your generic East Coast team, you know, been there, you know, been there before, done that before. And you got the Dodgers, who frankly, if you don't hate the Dodgers, if you're if you're not from LA and you don't hate the Dodgers, it's it's like not being from New York and not hating the Yankees. Like what how can you not? You know, how can you not just dislike this team? You know? Right? This, you know, 
this this it's so just generic and boring and i it's it's the first time in a very long time where i could care less i could not care less about this world series like i'll watch it because i need to and because you know i have to be informed but i don't care about either of these teams honest to goodness I would have rather neither of these teams get here. You know, obviously in the ALCS, I would have loved for my Astros to go. I just hate the Dodgers so much. I am a Cubs fan, and I don't like the Dodgers either. But do you think this is... So you bring up like this is a boring, generic, like, championship game. It's bad for baseball, frankly. Do you think this is, like... Cavs Warriors NBA Finals kind of thing where the Rockets almost went to the NBA Finals, but no. See, this is different from Cavs Warriors because the, the the problem with Cavs Warriors is not that Houston didn't go, and not that we're not seeing you know, it's not that we're not seeing you know these these you know different teams in there. It's that Cavs Warriors has happened so many darn times in a row. It's not that it's happened a thousand times before. It's that it happened three times in a row. And we're sick and tired of it, and it's bad for basketball. Well, actually, that one—it's—it's uh, it's fun. It was fun seeing LeBron, you know, trail check a couple of Warriors and slam a ball against the backboard. That's good for basketball. But this is like—I don't want to see Clayton Kershaw go, you know, seven innings against Chris Sale. I honest to goodness don't. We know they're good. It's going to be a pitcher's battle. What we need in the World Series and what last season's World Series proved is that we need a we need a hitter's duel. That's what it was last year. That's what made it so great. The 12 to, you know, the 12 inning going stand up till 2 a.m. home run derby fest that was the 2017 World Series. That's what baseball needs. That's what people tune in for. They don't tune in for a pitcher's duel, you know? And that's what this is going to turn into. Sure, you might get, you know, you might get Benintendi or you might get, you know, Mookie Betts going and making some big hits and things like that. But for the most part, this is going to be a series of pitching duels and it's going to be a series of outfielders making, you know, good plays. But really, I don't think this is going to be high scoring at all. Frankly, I think that the Red Sox win in five games. It's boring as heck. And it's bad for the sport. Like, read, read, read the matchups to me. Who, who's, who's, playing, uh, who's playing first? Uh, Sale and Kershaw tonight. Sale and Kershaw tonight. That's going to be a pitcher's duel. And then the next game in Boston as well is Price and... Price and Ryu? Ryu, yes. That's, I mean, that's that's going to be the same story. You know, these... You, know, you got guys like Cody Bellinger, Nelson Puig, and everything on the Dodgers who might, you know, might wind up hitting, hitting some jams and things like that. But, you know, they're not going to hit those jams off of Chris, off of Chris Sale. And, you know, the, the Red Sox aren't going to cr- hit those jams off of Clayton Kershaw. Pitchers' duels, you know, are only exciting to people who truly, really, really love baseball. And I love baseball, so I love watching them. But 
What this sport needs is what happened last year, which are 12-inning home run fests where you have no idea who's going to win or what the score is going to be because that stuff is exciting. I think the Red Sox win this World Series. Who do you think is going to win? I think the Red Sox are going to win in six games. Six? Fair enough. Either way, we've got the Red Sox winning, which is boring and I hate it. But let's instead now transition to the NBA where we're four games in, not really early enough to to really form any conclusions about anybody. So instead, Cole, I want to ask you as we run low on time here, who are you most excited about this season? Player-wise or team-wise? Team-wise. We can talk about players another day. I, I want to get your, 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 you know, what, what team should I be watching this season? Let's see, team-wise. Honestly, honestly, I think Utah is a surprise The Jazz. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't think I would ever see the day a few years ago, but no, the Utah Jazz with Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. They've got a strong team. They've got a really strong team. I'll tell you one team who you should watch out for, and this has nothing, nothing to do with uh, with them beating my Rockets in the in, in the first game of the season, the New Orleans Pelicans. Anthony Davis is going to have himself a year. He's going to justify that he deserves either a a bigger contract or is he's or he's going to justify a big money move to Los Angeles so he can play with LeBron. So he's going to have a huge year, and Anthony Davis is going to lead the Pelicans to the playoffs. Um, I don't think they'll go far in the playoffs, but I think they will be there. Anthony Davis is my pick for MVP. Wow, that's that's a strong one, honestly. Um, I I I would agree with you, um, except I think that it's probably going to be a toss up, especially in the West now with Le- now with LeBron playing in the West. It's going to be a toss up between probably LeBron, Harden, or you know uh, one of the one of the three cloned members of the Monstars known as the Golden State Warriors. But uh. That's that's really all the time we have. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. Before we sign off, uh, I don't know how big of a WWE fan you are, Cole, but uh, Joe Anawaii, otherwise known by his, his ring name of Roman Reigns, uh, came out last night, revealed that he has been battling leukemia for 11 years. Um, kind of came out of the blue. No one really knew that that was happening. Uh, but he had to relinquish the WWE Universal Championship last night on Raw uh, to uh, to go and fight leukemia once again. It had been it had been in remission for years, came back. Uh, so he's gonna go off and fight that. He's not gonna be on TV for a while. Uh, but so we you know we wish him the best. Um, he, he's not listening, but I don't care. Uh, send send your prayers in for for Joe Anawaii for for uh, for Roman Reigns. He's gonna kick it. He's gonna kick cancer's bum. And come back better than ever. Can't wait to see it. So uh, good luck to him. He's in our prayers. Hope he's in your prayers as well. Thanks for tuning in to KNC Sports today. Uh, tune in every week. We love having you. We love making the show for you. Thanks once again. And uh, have